Focus on Life. Hello and a very warm welcome to Lucas on Life here on Premier Christian Radio. This week, the American news channel CNN produced a feature on the former president, Barack Obama, leading a congregation in singing the classic hymn, Amazing Grace. It happened at the funeral of the Reverend Clementina Pinckney back in 2015. Now, that rather obviously was eight years ago, but people are still talking about that poignant moment. Tonight, I'd like us to talk about Amazing Grace, a subject that should literally be music to our ears. Grace is the undeserved favour from God towards us. The brilliant writer Robert Farah Capon provides this beautiful description of grace. He says, Grace is the celebration of life, relentlessly hounding all of the non-celebrants in the world. It is a floating cosmic bash, shouting its way through the streets of the universe, flinging the sweetness of its cessations to every window, pounding at every door in a hilarity beyond all liking and happening until the prodigals come out at last and dance and the elder brothers finally take their fingers out of their ears. And grace It's the message that the world thirsts for. Cinema, which some believe is the new cathedral of our culture, reflects that thirst for grace. Recent films from the last couple of decades deal with redemption and grace. Films like Black Robe, Leap of Faith, Train Spotting, Breaking the Waves. And then there was Bruce Almighty starring Jim Carrey. The film echoes the insistent longing for grace, as Carey's character complains that life is not precisely as he would like it, and so prays, Oh God, why do you hate me? He says, God is a kid sitting on an anthill with a magnifying glass, and I am the ant. And yet, Grace comes through the film as Bruce is granted divine powers, and when he asks why such a gift is given to him, God responds, That's the beauty of it. You can ask why. The ability to question is seen as a gift of grace. And the agony of grace ignored is explored as Bruce, playing God, laments, how do you make someone love you? Grace, as Philip Yancey astutely comments, is what the world thirsts for. It really is amazing. I recently got back from a trip to one of my very favourite places on planet Earth, Visiting this particular destination is always refreshing. A mini break there never fails to re-energize me. Checking in is always a breeze, and it's so very inexpensive. I go there every week. It's a bird watcher's paradise. Any numbers of species can be seen, some alone, dotted around, skittering around in a hurry here and there. Others gracefully swoop down to land together a perfectly coordinated squadron. Admittedly, there are a few drawbacks about this location which wouldn't help this favourite spot of mine in a TripAdvisor review. There's no beach to speak of, just mud, and the whole place stinks. I use the word stink thoughtfully because smell just doesn't do justice to the rank odour of decay that hangs dankly over the entire property. And even though there are a number of pools there, you'd want to avoid them, because they're all filled with foul water, an oily sheen on the surface of each. 
Perhaps the biggest problem is the constant noise. People enjoy a drink, and so the din of breaking glass is continuous. But despite all of these undeniable challenges, this is a destination that brings great peace to me. I'm talking about our local city rubbish dump. Living in the country, we don't have a refuse collection service, hence the need for my weekly excursions. Anticipation builds as I trundle along, my car loaded. I've carefully sorted the items for recycling, anticipating a new berth for each sheet of cardboard, each bottle and container. But the best of it is this, the smelly black dustbin bags, filled to the brim. They jostle in the back of my car, staining the air. I'm looking forward to bidding them farewell. And then comes the glorious moment. Glass goes in this bin, paper and plastic over there, but the real elation comes as I finally toss those bursting sacks into the dumpster. They are gone from me forever. I drive home, elated, lighter, my rubbish banished, my clutter cleared. I have dumped my trash. But sometimes I don't find offloading some of the other rubbish that I've accumulated quite so straightforward. I insist on carting around sackfuls of shame gradually collected throughout my personal history. The burden of hauling those emotional bin bags around can be overwhelming. The smell of regret mingled with remorse and embarrassment fills my nostrils. That's why tonight we're reflecting on the gospel, which is good news of grace, amazing grace, an invitation to everyone everywhere to offload the heavy weight of our shame onto a heavenly dustman. Jesus took out our trash to a cross in a way that I cannot begin to explain he took it to a fly-blown execution site. There he carried my sin and yours. What a relief it is to offload our greatest regrets, the thoughts and actions that make us blush as we recall them, to dump it all with gratitude upon him, to receive his grace. All of us are invited at no cost to accept the forgiveness made possible through that cross. And this invitation towards grace is not luxury, but an absolute necessity. The world has been damaged irreparably by unresolved shame. It nudged Friedrich Nietzsche, famous for his God is dead statement. He declared war on God because the idea of divinity made him feel like trash. Nietzsche said, God saw with eyes that saw everything, all my concealed disgrace and ugliness. He crawled into my dirtiest nooks. This most curious one had to die. But receiving forgiveness is a more subtle art than visiting the city rubbish dump because it is a mental act, an offloading onto the invisible one. It takes an act of faith to toss my rubbish in his direction and to accept his grace. There's the ludicrous temptation to refuse mercy, hug my shame close, retrieve those rancid bags and take them home with me once again, a dark accusing voice loud in my ears. Perhaps that's one reason for our being given physical tokens like bread and wine shared as tangible, tasteable expressions of grace, receipts 
that declare forgiveness. So today, if our rubbish makes us feel rubbish, let's visit the city dump. Actually, it's located just outside the city wall, on a green hill, far away. We're talking grace. Looking back, it wasn't the greatest idea. The care home had warned me that my mother was just days from dying. Agitation was robbing her of sleep, and so I decided I would sit with her through the night. My mum was at the tail end of a decade-long battle with dementia. At times, the fog lifted and she was smiling and coherent. But then, like the thick mist that shrouds the moors in early morning, that wretched confusion would return. Sometimes she didn't recognise me, and she would actually complain about me to me. And so I settled in for the long vigil. To be brutally honest, I felt rather noble and just a little smug as I sat perched on the hard wooden chair at her bedside, my hand clasped in hers as she snored. I wondered if this night shift was more for me than for her. Surely our motives are always mixed. But then, at around 2am, she woke up with a start and sat bolt upright in bed, her eyes wide with fear. What are you doing here? she yelled, pondering my face in the low light of the bedside lamp. Mum, it's me, Geoffrey. I thought I'd stay with you. You? You're no good. Get out, she hollered, her lips curled with rage. But, but Mum, I just wanted to... Get out, she shouted, now. I decided it would probably be good if I did just that, so I beat a hasty retreat and sat outside her room. Half an hour later, I tried again, peering anxiously around her doorway. Mom, get out, she snarled. And so I did. Excluded for the rest of that night, I realised my folly. When someone suffering from dementia wakes up in the small hours and discovers what seems to be a total stranger not only perched at their bedside but holding their hand too, they are likely to scream with terror. But then I pondered how very much like my mum I am, and you too bear some of the same family traits, you being a human being and all. The blunt truth is this, feeling at home with God and God's grace doesn't come naturally to us. The God who is loved draws near, nail-torn hands outstretched, inviting, and at times we catch a glimpse of that beautiful heart of his, and we settle at rest in his presence. We celebrate that wonderful grace. But then comes the mist, cloud banks formed by harsh religion, flawed parenting, by the chill of rejection. They billow and swirl in our minds, and we recoil, desperate that he might just go away. The prodigal son wails, I'm not worthy, and struggles in the arms of his father's embrace. Peter almost went on strike when Jesus insisted on washing his sweaty feet, backing away from such selfless care, such grace. But with Jesus, this is the non-negotiable deal. We have to let him wash us, love us. Thankfully, help is available to calm our fears. The Apostle Paul told the Galatian Christians, because we are his children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. And then Paul wrote to the church in Rome, now we call him Abba, Father, for his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. 
Abba is the very same Aramaic word that Jesus used when addressing God the Father. The work of the Holy Spirit in us enables us to exclaim with relief that we are safe in Christ, as secure with God as Jesus is with the Father. And so, after an exhausting night parked outside my mum's room, morning finally came, ending my time of banishment. Tapping lightly on her door, I found her awake, a look of peace on her face. Nervously, I ventured, Mum, it's me, Geoffrey. I know who you are, she smiled, and you're very nice. It was one of the last sentences that she spoke to me. Within days, she was gone. Perhaps what I'm about to suggest will offend some, thinking that it's too sentimental, inadequate to describe this wonderful, mighty, grace-filled God of ours. But to whisper this prayer might be a step in the right direction. Lord, I know who you are, and you're very nice. As we've been talking about grace tonight, I've been reminded of the news chatter about Philip Schofield. The British TV world has been rocked by his departure from ITV. The broadcaster has worked there for more than two decades. Mr Schofield, who co-presented the ITV daytime show this morning, announced that he was quitting ITV altogether after admitting that he'd had an unwise but not illegal affair with a much younger colleague on the show, and he lied about it to his employers, his colleagues and friends, his agents, the media and the public. Piers Morgan described the aftermath of Schofield's initial this morning departure as brutal to watch, and head out at ruthless backstabbing in the world of daytime television. Now, I'm not here to justify somebody who lies or who, according to the rumour mill, was part of a toxic culture at ITV. But I am troubled by the unseemly delight that breaks out when someone is caught in failure or lies, because some seem thrilled when news breaks that another powerful soul has got their comeuppance. There is something rather obscene about the sense of celebratory delight that emerges when a high-up person topples. Schadenfreude, a German word that is translated as harm joy, is the pleasure of self-satisfaction that comes from learning of the troubles, failures or humiliation of another. Sadly, this ungodly gloating can be found in the church too. Over the past few years, we've been battered by headlines exposing the sins of some well-known Christian leaders. I certainly mount no defence for them here, but I am troubled by the gotcha elation displayed by some. It is just ugly. There are wolves in sheep's clothing, in politics and the church, but there are also many public-hearted parliamentarians and caring, faithful pastors who faithfully pour out their lives daily. The attention of the media rarely focuses on them. So next time we hear of a spectacular failure, a downfall, let's resist the urge to applaud and marry grace with truth. When someone falls, let's weep for all concerned and put aside ungodly glee. You see, we have received grace. That is amazing. So let's pass it around. See you next week. Lucas on Life.